Well, we are getting ready to start. Uh, we finished up Jonah, and uh, we did a Fourth of July thing, and now we're back into the little bit of a routine where I'm a little more comfortable when we actually get into a, a kind of a regular study thing. And um, what we're going to do for the next couple of months is we're actually going to tackle and we're going to look at a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to be looking at those from a, a number of different perspectives and things like that. Uh, there are not, okay, so let me, let me boil some things down and get some correction things. They are not fruits of the Spirit. Okay. They are one fruit with nine characteristics. Okay. So we're going to be looking at nine aspects. It's kind of like a watermelon. Okay. A watermelon has a rind, and then it has the watermelon, and it has seeds. Three aspects to one fruit. In the same way, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, there are nine aspects to it, nine elements to it, that uh, compose one fruit. And, and so we're going to talk about that. So uh, what we'll do is, starting next week, we're going to tackle one every week. Okay? And we're just going to be looking at one. They're not something we add to our lives. They are something that is already there that we uh, develop and nurture and mature. And we'll talk about that. Okay? So this morning, I'm going to spend a lot of time laying some foundation for this. Because I think there's a couple of things that are very, very important as we get into this study that we have a good grasp on. So that's kind of where we're going to, we're, we're going to head um, this morning. The passage is in Galatians chapter 5. Here's what it says. By the way, after having two speakers, I've learned we we'll probably need to encourage people to carry Bibles, but um, for sure we're going to put it on the screen. It's really like a good thing if you bring your Bible, because then you can actually follow along too. You go, well, it's a different version. Well, that just gives you a different aspect to it. But if you don't, it's on the screen. It's okay. All right? Uh, here we go. But the first spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says, against such there's no law. But what Paul is saying is Paul saying, look, there's no, a law is a limit, okay? If we have a law, there's a limit, okay? Paul's saying, look, on these things, you can't have too much of them. There's no law. It's not like you're allowed to have X number amount of love, and then that's it. Okay, you've hit the limit of love. You can't go any farther than that. Now, I think there are people that have too much joy. They bother me because, you know, they're, they're just like a little too joyful, but that's just my personality, Okay? Uh, but biblically, there's no limit to these things as they're developed and nurtured and grow in our lives. So that's what he says. So let's talk about this whole concept of growth and, 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 and fruit of the Spirit and, and all of that. So let me make sure we're very clear on the basic foundation. That's this. We believe that a person goes to heaven, that a person dwells for eternally with God, by grace through faith, okay? So in other words, we believe that what happens is a person comes to a point in their life where they realize they're a sinner. They realize that they need a Savior. They can't save themselves. They can't work their way to heaven. They can't earn their way to heaven. And because of that, they come to God and they ask God to save them. They ask God to come into their life, to be their Lord and Savior. They want God to call the shots, not them. Okay, we, you, it's called all kinds of things. It's called new birth. Uh, some people call it being saved. Some people call it conversion. It has all kinds of terminology with it, but we believe that it is by grace through faith that you're saved. That it's a gift of God, nothing that you can work for. You can't earn your way to heaven. It's a personal decision you have to make before God. That's what we believe. 
Uh, we believe the scripture is very, very clear. We believe that salvation is offered to everyone. Everyone. There's nothing that you can do that has kept that, that which God says, no, I won't save you. So we believe salvation is offered to everyone. So it's under it's important that we understand that there is the issue of salvation. We I'm going to call it for sake of this discussion this morning, new birth, where you are born again. You are born as a Christian, as a child of God. Okay, that's one aspect. The other second aspect is how do you grow as a Christian? Now, in theology, we call that salvation. We call this sanctification. Sanctification is a big, fancy word that means set apart. Where God says, okay, now that you are my child, saved, this is how I'm going to work in your life. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to be. I don't do this in order to be saved. I do this because I'm saved. Does that make sense? Okay, I want to be really clear there. Because some people believe, well, if I do these things, then I'm a Christian. No, no, no. Christian means Christ-centered. Christian means my life is centered around Jesus Christ. I want to follow Christ. I want to be Christ-like. It doesn't mean I'm a good person. It means that I want to be like Christ. Okay? So this is salvation. This is new birth. This is becoming a child of God. And that is simply by accepting God's gift. It's like if I offer you something like this morning. Okay? Judy offered the kids M&M's. They had to take it. In order for it to be theirs, they had to take it. She walked back with a whole bag. I saw her. I said, wait a minute, stop. I want one of those. Okay? I want to take what you're offering. Salvation is the same way. God says, I offer you salvation. Whether you take it or not, it's your choice. But it's offered to everyone. So we have the issue of salvation. Then we have this aspect, which is, again, the aspect of how we grow, how we develop. Okay? And this is what, for the next couple of months, we're going to talk about how God grows us. Now, there's a lot of different theories about how you grow um, as a Christian. Um, there's some people that believe that God does it all for you. You don't have to do anything. God just grows you. There's other people who believe it's all you. And, and what I would say is it's more like a teeter-totter. There's a God part and there's an us part. And it kind of works together as far as how God grows and, and, and does in our life. Now, in order to do this, I gotta, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of touch on something that some of you have been brought up to believe, and I want to challenge your belief on this, okay? Because I think the first question you have to wrestle with as you grow is this, who do you identify with? Okay? For years, the church, religion, Christianity, good Christianity... Evangelical Christianity has taught that you're a sinner saved by grace. And that's true. You're a sinner saved by grace, but that's not who you are. Um, because you see, you identify with the sinner part. Um, the word sinner is used often in Scripture, I think over 300 times. And when it refers to sinner, it refers to somebody who's unsaved, somebody who's not a child of God, somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So when you say, I am a sinner saved by grace, what's the focus? I'm a sinner saved by grace. Here's a problem. When God gets to the New Testament, you know what God focuses on? You're a saint. Now, I know you're not sitting here this morning thinking of yourselves as a saint. 
especially those of you who are married. Okay, because you've got a spouse who will remind you very quickly. You know, you, you, you know saying. Okay, but they're wrong. Because over 200 times in the New Testament, Christians are referred to as saints. You see, how you think about yourself, it's a subtle thing, but it's an important thing. If you identify more as a sinner part of it, you tend to minimize sin. Well, you know, I mean, come on, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. What do you expect from me? On the other hand, when you identify as a child of God, a saint, uh, one who's called out, one who's holy, one who's separated, one who's different, then sin takes on a little bit different mindset. You, you follow what I'm saying? This is a subtle thing, but this is a very, very important thing. How you identify yourself is very, very important. How you see yourself before God. Whether you see yourself as a sinner saved by grace or whether you see yourself as a child of God who is a saint, a separate, a, a holy one, one who's set apart to be different than the sinner part of it. And that's important. Now, what, here's what I'm going to help you illustrate this. And I'm going into territory so I'm going to apologize to Alex, and I'm going to apologize to Greg right off the bat, okay? Because I'm getting into the whole uh, plant kingdom thing, okay? And if any of you are like biology people, my apologies, okay? I'm, not, I'm going into territory that I'm not super, super comfortable in, but I've tried to do a little reading this week and understanding it, so here we go. In biology, there is something known as grafting, Okay? You guys can correct me loudly, if, but make it like a serious correction. I'm going to get the rest of it wrong. Here's the idea. You take a root stock. You take something that, that it, so for instance, like in this area, you find something that the roots survive the winters of Iowa, okay? That's got a good hardy root stock. You take that plant and you cut it. Then you make this little splice into it. And I think it's called a cultivar, am I right? Uh, the top part of it, yeah, yeah, I think so. And you take, and, you, and, and, and there are special ways you cut it and all that, and you put it into the plant, and then you tape it up, and then here's what happens. What happens then is that plant grows into, what do you think determines how it grows? What grows? What, 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 what's, what fruits on? The root of the cultivar. The cultivar. Okay? In other words, <clears throat> what happens is that which has been grafted in is what determines the fruit. Follow this, not the root. Not the root. When the Bible talks about us as a Christian, it talks about the idea that we have a root stock. That's our sinful nature. Okay? But we're born that way. When we become Christians, that doesn't change. We still have a sinful nature. But what God does is he chops it off. He grafts on what he wants to grow in our lives. Fruit of the Spirit. All the things that you read about in the New Testament. What determines what happens here is the, is the, is the cultivar that has been grafted onto the root. Does that make sense? So... When you say, I'm a sinner saved by grace, you're identifying with the root. Sinner part of it. Old nature. 
When you identify with the saint part of it, you deal with the grafted part, the part that God has designed for you to be. Okay, does that make sense? Everybody nod your head if you're following me so far. Okay, I haven't lost anybody yet, okay, because this was a lot of study on my part this week. All right, and I came off vacation, believe me, you know. Um, I, was, I was still in hot tub motorcycle mode. So, um, so anyway, so he's grafted on. So this is important to understand. Okay, this is important to understand. Now, here's what's amazing, okay, and this is where I think this gets really fun. And, and you start to think this through. There's a problem when you do this with a plant. You know what the problem is? Suckers. Because suckers are constantly coming up from what? The root. So, listen to what they say about suckers in grafted plants. Here's what they say. When root suckers appear beneath the graft union, the growth comes from the rootstock, not the cultivar. So, if, I, if God has grafted himself onto me, my old nature, and the rootstock starts, what's going to come up? Old nature. Make sense? So here's what it says. If you allow that shoot growth to develop into a tree, it'll have the characteristics of the rootstock. So if it starts to, if that sucker starts to develop, and I continue to let it grow, this plant is going to look more like what? The rootstock or the fruit? The rootstock. Because it's going to take over. That's, that's where it's getting the main nourishment. So here's what it says. You must remove all below the graft union shoots to preserve the health of your grafted tree. So as they come up, you have to get rid of them. Notice, listen, what it also says. It is easiest to remove the suckers when they are young and less than one-fourth inch in diameter. So as you see them, at that point, you can literally take your fingers and pinch them off, just like you do with suckers on tomato plants, okay? You didn't know you were supposed to pull the suckers off your tomato plants. The whole theory on that. But anyway, um, so here's, here's what he says. So in other words, he says, get them when they're small. And then notice what they say. Always cut off a sucker as close to the point of origin as possible. If you leave a sucker stub, new suckers will grow from the base of the old one. So here's what he's saying. In the plant world, when you do this, there's a big danger because the rootstock wants to take over. So you have to constantly be aware of what's happening and nip it in the bud. Get it as soon as it starts. Get it as close as you can. And this is Christian growth. This is what happens. When, when, when God is starting, when God wants to do things in our lives, Satan, the old rootstock, is going to continually shoot stuff up. We have to be aware of what, what, what's happening pluck it as close as we can to the origin or the source of the problem so that God can develop the fruit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit that He wants to develop. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> so we have to realize, where are you going to identify? You're going to identify more with the root, or are you going to identify more with the fruit? You're going to identify more as a child of God, a saint, or are you going to identify more as a sinner? Listen to what Scripture says. Um, my Father is glorified in it, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. He says, look, you want to know what God wants for you? He wants you to abide in Christ, and as you abide in Christ, you produce fruit. He wants you to deal with the suckers as they come up. He wants you to understand that that's not the way he wants it to be. That's not the way it has to be. 
you have the ability to pull up that stuff that's going to take over if you're not careful. And to develop and to encourage the stuff that's healthy. Go back to our passage. What kind of things are we talking about? Love, joy, and actually when we get into this study, I'm going to do something I haven't done before. I'm actually going to take the opposite. And the, I'm going to take the positive and the negative. I'm going to take, for instance, you know what the, anybody know what the opposite of love is biblically? No. Fear. So I'm going to say, when, when issues came up, you have an issue, you have, you, have you, you have the choice to either produce fear, which is the root, or love, which is the fruit. Peace. You know what the root is? Worry. You have a choice to worry or to have peace. So we're going to look at what naturally wants to come up and what God has developed for us to come up as we go through this. And, and this is what's going to be important for us. These are things God has already... It's not like you have to be more loving. God's already produced that in your life. It's the idea of nourishing it and, and, and embracing it and focusing on it and getting rid of those shoots that want to come up. And so as we, as we start on this journey, that's what we're going to want to understand. So the first thing is, how do you identify? The second thing is, how are you going to respond? Um, there's God doing his part, and then there's you doing your part. So let's just talk really candidly for a second here. Um, when things come into your life, good, bad, ugly, here's what you need to understand. And I don't have time to get into all this theologically, but God's allowed it. That's the bottom line. God's allowed it. You go, well, I don't think that's right. I mean, God should stop. Well, first of all, God's thoughts aren't your thoughts, and your ways aren't his ways, and, and, and you need to understand that. Secondly, you need to understand that in, in order for God to do that sometime, God's going to have to act contrary to his nature and his will, so he's not going to do that. I mean, think about it for a minute. God could have stopped Adam from sinning in the garden, but in order to do that, Adam would have had to have been a robot with no free will. So you have to be careful with that. And you have to understand that that doesn't mean God caused everything. It doesn't mean God desired everything. It means he allowed it. Okay? And that's going to be important for us to wrestle with as we go through this, because here's the bottom line. Satan is alive and well. If you haven't figured that out yet, believe me. Um, you know, walk in my shoes for a week. Listen to what I listen to. Believe me, Satan is alive and well, okay? And he is working aggressively. And he always has, and he will always do that until the day comes that God says enough is enough. Um, everything that comes into your life has a potential to go one of two ways. It is either going to destroy you, which is never God's plan, or it's going to grow you. which is what God wants. By the way, that's also how you know whether, whether your temptation or testing is from God or Satan. You go, well, Pastor, I'm really discouraged right now. When your discouragement comes, when, you're discour when the result of your whatever you're going through and you're discouraged makes you go, you know what, I want to do better for God. That's one thing. When your discouragement says, I want to quit, give up, and, and, and just then that's from Satan. You have to be able to acknowledge the source. I talk about that just at the end. But 
as you go to it, you've got to, it goes one of two ways. So you have to stop for a minute and you have to think about what it is that's happening. Um, oh, here's what I want you to do. Something that you're dealing with, some difficulty that you're dealing with either today, this week, month, year, last 10 years, whatever it is. I want you to come up with one idea in your head. And I want you to realize one of two things. That's either going to hurt you or help you. Whatever that thing is that came to your head, it's going to hurt you or help you. It's not determined by the thing. It's determined by your response. See, you have to make a choice. This is your part of the teeter-totter. You have to make a choice. Okay, God, how am I going to respond to this? Because the Bible is very, very clear. God can take anything, anything, and make good or growth come out of it. He has that ability. No matter what's come into your life, God has the ability to, for it to go, to take it and make something good come out of it. That's Romans 8, 28. And no matter what it is, I can make good come out of this if you'll give me the chance. The problem is you have to decide how you're going to respond. Are you going to try to respond in a biblical way or in a non-biblical way? Are you going to try to respond as root or fruit? And so that's how it all works for us. So let's walk through the mechanics and then we'll get to the, the application thing of it. How does this work? It works like this. Um, the first thing that happens whenever you're struggling with this on how you respond is it starts in your head. And you want to know the bottom line? This is where the battle is. This is it. The battleground is in your thoughts. The battleground is in your focus. It's how you're thinking about that situation, how you're going to frame it. That's influenced by a lot of things. It's influenced by people. It's influenced by media. It's influenced by all kinds of things come into how are you going to think about this situation? I believe the way that God works in our hearts is he starts in our head, then it goes to our hearts, then it goes to our hands. Um, there's a lot of debate over who said this, but basically, um, I'm just going to go with the one that, uh, this is the idea. So a thought, at some point you're going to act on it. You act on it enough times, what happens? It becomes a habit. When you continually practice a habit, what does that become? That becomes your character. And that ultimately becomes your destiny. Let me tell you how I've watched it play out. People get angry over a situation or a person, something that happened to them, some way that they've been treated. And they keep focusing on that. Can't believe they did that to me. That's not right. How come that happened to me? How dare they do that? How, 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 how? Before they know it, they start to become angry as a habit. And they start to take it out on the people around them. And they do it long enough, it becomes their character. They become known as an angry person. And what happens? I don't understand why anybody, well, I don't have any friends. Nobody wants to be around me. Why? Because that's your destiny now. It all started way back there with how you were thinking. And what happens is this is what I see play out. And in your life, you have to be very, very careful of that. You have to really look at how you frame, how you work with that situation or that circumstance that you and I end up up against all the time. And, and how we think is really, really critical on this thing, that we learn to think biblically, that we learn to focus on the fruit of the Spirit, not so much the works of the flesh. That we associate more with the fruit part of it than the root part of it. And this is what starts to develop 
in lives. I see this all the time. And you watch this play out. So with that in mind, let's talk about how we, how we, how this, how we play it out for us um, practically. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to start thinking differently. As we go into this series, I really want you to start thinking differently. I want you to take a step back and go, all right, you know what? I'm going to stop seeing myself as a sinner saved by grace. I'm going to start trying to act more like a saint. I'm going to start trying to act more like God's child, which I am. Seated in the heavenlies, in Christ. That's, that, that, that's my focus. And as things come into my life that I have to struggle with, I'm going to do everything I can to make good come out of it. You say, what kind of things are you talking about? Well, let's understand that the things that come into our lives come into our lives a couple of ways. There are some things that you're struggling with right now that in all honesty, you're the cause of it. You made choices that were bad and you're having to pay the consequences of them right now. It is all on you. You brought it on yourself. On this past week, like I say, last week we were in the cabin. We always were in a nice cabin, and <clears throat> we had this cabin. It was a log cabin deal and had these you know, great big logs going up to the stairway. It's a beautiful cabin thing. <clears throat> and, of course, a three-year-old jumps in, three-and-a-half-year-old comes into that cabin and sees what? The stairs. And it goes up, and there's a landing, and then it goes up, and you're wondering what's up there. I mean, there's like a bear rug hanging up there with the bear hanging over top, and and, and antlers are all over the walls. And, and, and so this, you know, it's like for a three-and-a-half-year-old, it's like, whoa, that is so cool. I want to go. Now, now, listen, at no time have my wife or I or JT or Aaron or uh, Josh and Alex, at no time have we thought, let's go play on the stairs. And that three-and-a-half-year-old is thinking, I want to go play on the stairs. And we're like, honey, the stairs are dangerous. We don't play on the stairs. We go up the stairs, we go down the stairs, we don't play on the stairs. And of course, in the mind of a three-and-a-half-year-old, do we listen to grandma, nana, mom, dad? No. We wait till they turn their heads, and we sneak up a step. We sneak up another step. We get on the landing. It's like, we told you not to get on the stairs, come on down. So we played this game for about half hour. We hadn't been to cabin more than an hour or two when we are playing this game. And all of a sudden, we hear, boop, boop, boop. Face first. Bloody nose. She brought it on herself. You know? Everybody went over and helped her, but honestly, there was very, I mean, there was the typical, there was sympathy for a child whose nose is bleeding. But on the other hand, it's like, you know what? Now we're not going to have to tell her the rest of the week. We can just go, remember your nose. And that's all we had to do the rest of the week. It's like, hey, remember your nose? Oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay, that's all we'd have to do. <laughs> Why? Because she honestly, we, she was warned. She knew better. She wanted to go down that path anyway. She wanted to play on the steps. With that comes the risk. As sooner or later we knew it. I'm just glad it happened the first night we were there because that way it set the tone for the rest of it about, okay, listen to us. You know, listen to us. And there are some things in life that you're in the situation you're in because you brought it on yourself. Some guy convinced you that you could make this with, you know, you know 200 easy payments 
monthly payments of X number of dollars and you signed and the next thing you know you're going, I, it wasn't worth it and now i got to pay all of this stuff and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because you, you got yourself in that mess, okay? And there's some things that, honestly, it's just your own doing, all right? There are some things that in all honesty, they're not your doing at all. There's somebody else who's doing. And unfortunately, you are suffering the consequences of that. That's because we live in a world that is a sinful world and people make sinful choices without respect to how it impacts the other people around them. And there are people who you love, who I don't care what you say, I don't care what you do, they are going to make choices that are going to hurt you. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's just part of how, you cannot, listen to me, you cannot change, you can pray for them, you can encourage them, but you can't change what they did or what they're doing. What you can change is how you respond. What you do have influence on is what you do about it. I've been in this job long enough to know there are people who say good things about me and there are people who say bad things about me. I can't change what they say. All I have control over is how I respond. And if they want to be wrong, more than they're more than welcome to be wrong. I mean, no, I mean, really, I mean, it's one of those things where you, you just have to realize that, you know what? I don't have control over what you do. I have control over what I do. And you really have to change your thinking about this. Because some of you are going, well, the circumstances were different. Well, it's not about the circumstances. It's about how we respond to the circumstances. It's so important to understand that. And for some of you, in some cases, for whatever reason, God has allowed it into your life so that you can help others. You see that in the life of Job. It wasn't about anything Job caused. It wasn't about somebody doing something to Job. It was about God saying, Job, I want to use you, and it means you're going to go through a really tough time here. It's about Jesus Christ who said, you know what? Um, I'm going to go and I'm going to take the sin of the world upon my shoulders in order that, through all the pain and suffering and heartache that I go through, people can come to be with me for eternity. It's not, nothing that they did wrong. It's God chose to use them in that way. And they chose to be used that way. Again, it's how you respond. And you have to step back and say, with God's grace, with God's help, with the help of God's people, I'm going to try to respond in a godly way. I'm going to try to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in my life as I go forward because that's what God is trying to develop and, and, and grow in my life. The other issue is this. Um, you've got to be able to identify the things that are going to try to suck stuff out of your life. And I don't think we're that good at that, honestly. I think we allow a lot of stuff into our lives that just, aren't, just is not that healthy for us. And what happens is, before we know it, those things are taking over our life. Um, we've allowed those suckers to grow. And we haven't pruned them. We haven't cut them back. I, I think partly because we don't even acknowledge. We're not even sure what they are. This was illustrated in our life this past two weeks. Um, um, I, I'm the plant guy at the house. I, I, I do all the plants. A number of years ago, I decided that um, I didn't like planting 
the same thing over and over again every year. So I focused on perennials because then I don't have to keep planting them. So annuals go into the pots around our house, around our house, and in the other areas I focus on perennials that keep coming back on their own. Well, next to our house, we have this whole little area about, I don't know, about this wide, and, and, and we have all these plants. Well, one year, and, and don't ask me what the perennial is. I don't know. It's gorgeous. I got it from Greg. If I want to know what plant it is, I take a picture and say, Greg, what is this? Because um, I have people that come over and they go, oh, that's so beautiful. What is it? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll go ask Greg. Uh, <clears throat> but we had these things, and I don't even know what they are. They're these white. They, they grow up, and they have these white little, I should take a picture of one. But it has this white thing that comes to like a cone. It's like an upside down it's, it's kind of like a traffic cone, okay? And it's white. It grows about this tall. They're gorgeous. They just, they, and they just took over the whole area. And so my wife is out there, and she sees this other plant. And she starts pulling up half of them. And I'm like, whoa, 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 honey. These are perennials here. Don't be pulling up the perennials. And she's like, honey, this is a weed. And I said, honey, it's not a weed. I know my plants. This is not a weed, Okay. So she pulled up like half of it, and then she let the other half grow, and we came back from vacation, and it had kind of taken over again. And so um, I convinced her that this is not a weed, and we argued about it. And, I, of course, I'm right, she's wrong. That's the way it always goes. <laughs> so finally I decided, you know, I'm going to look this thing up. So I go online, and I put, White starry flower with it. And these pictures are popping up. I go, that's it. That's my perennial. That's the perennial that I'm trying to grow lots of. That I wouldn't let my wife pull up. And I read it. It's called a chickweed. <laughs> and now I'm going, oh, man. She's right. I'm wrong. What do I do? Don't worry. I'm going to get to being right here at some point. So I start... I bring her in my office and say, honey, look at this. That's it. That's it. What is it? I said, it's a chickweed. Read all of this stuff. And it has all these medicinal purposes. You can eat this stuff. You can do all kinds of stuff with this stuff. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's, uh, it's, it's for itches. It's for everything. I said, honey, you pulled up my whole medicine cabinet. I was growing out there for you. It's a weed. Now that I have identified it, you know what we did? We pulled it all up. And I told her, I said, you ruined your... By the way, the chickens love this stuff. Uh, the chickens were like, oh, this is awesome. Um, and I don't know why they call it chickweed, but I didn't know the difference between a weed and a plant. The same thing happens with us. We let stuff grow up in our lives and we don't realize it's a weed. It's a sucker. It's taken stuff away from our life. It's not helping. In the area that this stuff grew, guess what? The other stuff didn't grow. It choked it all out. I had to get rid of all of this so that hopefully the others can start spreading back like it has, and it will. But this year, when you come to our house, that area is bare now. Because it's going to take me some time to get it all going back like it was. Same thing's true in our life. But if you and I can't be honest with ourselves and identify the weeds and the suckers and the stuff that's coming up from the root, then we can't be the healthy person God intends for us to be. So in the course of the next couple of weeks and two months, nine messages is what it's going to be. In the course of that time, 
we're going to start to be honest with ourselves and try to identify what are the weeds, even though they may be pretty. Okay? They're beautiful. They filled up the whole area. It's gorgeous. I love looking at the little white flowers. The weeds. They cut out all the other stuff eventually. I had to get rid of them because I want something different to grow there. And it's going to be the same thing in our lives. And so as we embark on this journey, it's going to take you being honest with yourself. It's going to take you thinking differently. It's going to take you stepping back and going, you know what? It might be a pretty weed, but it's really not helping me. I really need to get rid of it. There's some things in my life that they may not necessarily be even wrong, but they're not helping me. They're hurting me. And I'm just going to have to be honest with myself and step back and go, all right, God, I want you to work in and through my life to help me be able to go on Wikipedia with a picture and figure out what the weed is, okay, that I need to get rid of. And help me to plant the right things, to put the right things in. So I end this morning with this. How we see ourselves and how we respond determines our growth. It's important that we understand God wants what's best for his children. He desires for us to grow into a trophy of his grace so the world can see Christ in us. We have to choose to be the person God has designed for us to be. It is the best way to live life on this place that we call earth. Ultimately, only eternity will reveal how God has used us in the lives of people around us as we live out the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's so easy sometimes to get caught up in just the way life is. And Lord, a lot of times we allow those, those suckers, those weeds, those things to sprout up in our life. We don't pay attention to it until they're out of control. Lord, that's not the best way to live. And it's really not the way you want us to live. So help us. Lord, as we go forward, may you help us to be honest with ourselves. Lord, for some who are really struggling this morning, there's a lot going on, Lord, that you'd give grace and strength. Lord, you give clarity of thought. Lord, for others who have gone through some really tough stuff, Lord, would you use them to be an encouragement and a help to others around them who are going through some hard things? And Lord, when it is all said and done, may the world that we go into each week see Christ in our lives. And Lord, may they be able to see the fruit of the Spirit in all that we do so that, Lord, they would ultimately come to know you as their Savior as well. And use us this week, these things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.